we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Ideas play an extraordinarily important part in our life. What we think, what we feel, the beliefs and ideas in which we are conditioned. Hello and welcome to episode 141 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is ideas. Upcoming themes are help, attachment, and the immeasurable. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Please visit our website at kfoundation.org where you can find a growing collection of in-depth articles on Krishnamurti's teachings, along with key topics and a wide selection of quotes. Our online store stocks all available Krishnamurti books and ships worldwide. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on your podcast app which helps our visibility. This week's episode on ideas has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Bombay, 1965, titled, God is an Idea. It seems to me that man, for so many centuries, has always sought peace, freedom, and a state of bliss, which he calls God. One has sought it under different names, at different periods in history, and apparently only very few have found that inward sense of great peace, freedom, and that state which man has called God. And in modern times, it has become so little important. We use the word God with very little meaning. And we're always seeking a state of place, peace and freedom away from this world. And we take flight in various forms from this world to find something which will be enduring, which will give us sanctuary and sanctity, which will give us a certain sense of deep inward quietness, 
and God. Whether one believes it or not depends on environmental influence, tradition, climate. And to find that state of bliss, that freedom, and that extraordinary peace that it must be a living thing, one must understand, I think, why one is not capable of facing fact and transforming the fact and thereby going beyond it. I would like this evening, if I may, talk about, rather, communicate together this feeling why we always give such great importance to idea and not to action. Though we have talked about it in different ways and different times and also here in Bombay during these talks, I would like to go into it in a different way because it seems to me that we are responsible totally, completely for the society in which we live, for the misery, for the confusion, the utter brutality of modern existence. Each one of us is totally and completely responsible. We cannot possibly escape from it. We have to transform it. And the transformation of the human being who is part of society and who has created this society, he is totally and completely responsible. And to bring about a mutation, a transformation within himself and thereby within the pattern of society is only possible when he ceases completely to escape into ideas. God is an idea, depending on the climate, the environment, on the tradition in which you have been brought up. In the communist world, they don't believe it. Again, dependent on circumstances. You are your dependent. You, your circumstances, your life, your tradition has built this idea. And one must liberate oneself from these circumstances, from society. And only then is it possible for a human being in his freedom to find that which is true, but merely to escape into a, an idea called God doesn't solve the problem at all. God, or any other name one like to use it, is the cunning invention of man. And we cover that invention, that cunningness, by incense, by rituals, by various forms of beliefs, dogmas, separating man as the Protestant, Catholic, Hindu, Muslim, Parsi, the Buddhist, 
the clever, cunning structure invented by man. And man, having invented it, is caught in it. And without understanding the present world, the world he lives in, the world of his misery, the world of his confusion, sorrow, anxiety, despair and the agony of existence, the complete loneliness, the sense of utter futility of life. Without understanding that, mere multiplication of ideas, however satisfactory, has no value at all. And it's very important to understand why we create or formulate an idea. Why does the mind formulate an idea at all? I mean by formulating a structure of philosophical or rational or humanistic or materialistic ideas. Idea be organized thought. And in that organized thought, belief, idea, he lives. That's what we all do. Whether we are religious or non-religious. I think it is important to find out why human beings throughout the ages have given such extraordinary importance to ideas. Why do we formulate ideas at all? Why is it not possible to meet or rather act, always act? ideas, if one observes oneself, when there is inattention, when you are completely active, which demands total attention, which is action, in that there is no idea, you are active. Please, for this evening, if I may suggest, just listen. Don't accept or deny. Don't build defenses so as to prevent listening by having your own thoughts, beliefs and contradictions only, but just listen. Because we're not trying to convince you of anything. We're not forcing you through any means to conform to a particular idea or pattern of action. We are merely stating facts whether you like them or not. And what is important is to learn about the fact. And learning them implies total listening, a com complete observation. When you listen to that, to the sound of the crow, listen, not with your own noises, 
with your own thoughts, with your own ideas, with your own opinions, if you listen, then you will see there is no idea at all, but you are actually listening. So in the same way, this evening, if I may suggest, just listen. Because whilst listen, not only consciously, but also unconsciously, which is perhaps much more important. Because most of us are influenced. We can reject conscious influences. But it's much more difficult to put aside unconscious influences. And when you are listening in the manner of which we have talked, if you are listening, then it is neither conscious or unconscious listening. Then you are completely attentive. And attention is not yours or mine, it is not nationalistic, it is not religious, it is not divisible. And hence, when you are so completely listening, there is no idea, only a state of listening, which most of us do. And you are listening to something rather beautiful. And there is lovely music. Or when you are seeing a mountain late of an evening, or the light on the water of a cloud, then when in that state of attention, in that state of listening, see, there is no idea. In the same way, if you could listen with that ease, with that effortless attention, then perhaps one will see the great significance of idea and action. As we are saying, most of us formulate ideas when there is inattention. create or conceive ideas when those ideas give us security, a sense of certainty. And that sense of certainty, that sense of being safe, brings about ideas and into those ideas we escape, and therefore there is no action. And we create or formulate ideas when we do not completely comprehend that which is. So ideas become much more important than the fact. <coughs> To find out, actually find out the fact, if there is or if there is not God, ideas have no meaning whatsoever. Whether you believe, don't believe, whether you are an atheist or a theist, whether it has no meaning. 
And to find out, you need all your energy. Your complete total energy, energy that is not spotted, that's not scratched, that has no twist, that has not been made corrupt. So, to understand, to find out If there is such thing as that reality which man has sought for so many million years, one must have energy. Energy that's completely whole, uncontaminated. The second extract is from the second talk in New Delhi, 1964, titled Is There an Action Without the Idea? Life is a movement in relationship, which is action. But for us action is the outcome of an idea. We translate what we hear as an idea and then carry that idea out in action. That's all we know as action. Either an urge of pleasure, anger, displeasure, which is a reaction which become which is translated as an idea and that idea, which is organized thought, idea is an organized thought, which is carried out in action. That's all we know of action. That is, we have a formula, a pattern, a concept, and then try to put that concept, that pattern, as closely as possible in action. That's what we call action. We see starvation, soaring prices, exploding population, disintegration, and we want to change it, we want to put a stop to it, and conceive a formula, an idea, how to do it, and gather few people who will agree about that idea, and then collectively act according to the plan, according to the idea. That's all we consider as action. I think we must be very clear about because what we are going into presently will be so contradictory to what we hold as the norm, as the pattern of action. So first we must understand what we call action. That is, I see that colour and I don't like that colour, the idea, then I say, I act upon that idea. I never look at that colour without idea. And therefore, when I look, I am immediately in contact with that colour, not through the idea of like or dislike. I do not 
This is important to understand. Because idea is the outcome of memory, experience, judgment. And therefore it is either personal, collective, racial, family, as memory, and that idea is carried out in action. Is there an action without idea? Otherwise you are not in contact with action at all. You are acting, <coughs> approximating that activity to an idea, and therefore it is never an action. It is never a complete, direct, intimate contact with action. It's always through the screen of ideas, and therefore there is a contradiction between action and idea. And we are always trying to bridge over the division. And this contradiction between idea, which is reasoned, organized thought as an idea, and action which is so separate from the idea, and we try to bring these two together as closely as possible. Bringing these two together, that is, the idea, the formula, the concept and action, try to bring them together is effort. That's all our life. All our life is revolves around this. If you observe yourself, if you have watched yourself, if you have watched the activities of politicians, of the gurus, of the saints, of any human being, you will notice that this is going on all the time. The idea, noble or ignoble, well-planned, well-reasoned or unbalanced, and how to carry that out in daily life. And to carry it out as completely, as totally as possible, the idea in action involves effort. So all our life is one continuous form of effort. Please, this is really important to understand this this cycle of the human mind, which is all the time perpetuating contradiction, and having perpetuated, brought it about, then try to overcome that, co that contradiction. And in trying to overcome that contradiction, a great deal of energy as effort is involved. And that, and that way man has lived for million years. Idea, to carry the idea out in action, and therefore living constantly in contradiction. And being in contradiction, 
effort is involved. Please, what we are saying, please do not translate it into an idea with which you agree or disagree. But just listen and observe, because if you, by listening, create another pattern of idea and try to carry that idea out in action, you are back again in the same circle with different sets of patterns and ideas and ideologies. And if we can understand this process, I am using the word understand, be intimately in contact with the process of our thinking, not as an idea, not as somebody observing the fact from outside, but actually be in contact with the thought process which creates the idea, and again that thought creates the action which, is contradiction, which contradicts the idea. So the problem arises, perhaps you, many of you have not thought about this, and so perhaps it is not a problem, not an issue. But if you have gone into it, it will become an issue, not imposed by the speaker, but it is a problem for yourself. So if you have gone into it, or if you are listening to it, actually without opinion, because we are not dealing with opinions, we are dealing with actual facts psychological facts that the idea predominates and action then follows, and therefore contradiction. That's a fact with which you are either agree or disagree, it is so. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk at Brookwood Park in 1974, titled There is a Conflict Between Ideas and Action. I have a problem. A human, not a human being is violent, and he projects the idea of non-violence, which is an abstraction from the fact of violence. Why does the mind do it? Instantly does it. Is it because, one of the reasons, it doesn't know what to do, it hasn't the capacity to deal with the fact, the fact of violence. Therefore, it escapes through an abstraction and says, I must not be violent. So the must not becomes the ideal, the non-fact, and according to that it tries to act, according to non-fact, which is insanity. I wonder if you see this. So. Can I can we say idealists are insane? No, do watch it please. This is very, very serious. Don't laugh it away. And is it because the mind is so conditioned, so accustomed? to the idea of postponement.
that something will happen to bring about a change in the fact. So either it is the lack of energy which makes the mind postpone, hoping something will happen, or it has not the capacity to deal with what is and therefore rushes off into an abstraction as an ideal, or is it the feeling that life is so short, why bother? Put up with things. You following on? So we have all these things. So all that admits time. We have had human beings historically thousands of wars. I believe five thousand wars for during the five thousand years, five thousand wars or something like that. And we accept wars as a natural way of life. And we we don't see for ourselves the disaster, the appallingness, the brutality of it all. You follow? Again an idea. So action based on an idea and an ideology demands time. Right? Whereas there is action where there is perception and action there is no time. I'll show you. <coughs> As we said, there is suffering in every form physical, psychological, intellectual, moral, suffering through death of another, suffering caused by loneliness, frustration, lack of jobs, and so on and so on. Now, without drawing an abstraction from sorrow, can the mind observe sorrow and remain with sorrow? You follow? Not run away from it, not escape from it, not rationalize it, not bring in the whole process of thought into it, but remain completely motionless with that feeling which we call sorrow. Now what is the action of a mind that, that does not move away from the fact in any direction? You, I hope you are doing this and the speaker is talking about it, otherwise it's no fun at all. I'm sure you have certain sorrows. Without rationalizing it, without trying to escape from it, without an abstraction as an idea of not having sorrow, and so on, can the, can the mind remain with that sorrow absolutely immobile, without any movement?
please understand the question first. Don't try tremendous effort. Don't make effort. There's not, no effort is necessary in this. Just watch it. So, then what is action in which there is no idea? You follow? I wonder if you follow this. As we said, <clears throat> all our actions, human actions, psychological actions, are based on ideas. Right? Surely. Now we are asking, is there an action <coughs> which is not based on an idea? Because we said, idea and the action of idea involves time. And when action is based on an idea, <coughs> there is always inadequacy or lack of complete identification with that idea and therefore conflict between the idea and action. You know this. So when we are concerned with the elimination of conflict altogether, then we must be concerned what is action and what is perception, what is seeing and the doing without the formula, without the ideal. You understood my now? Can I go on? Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> you understand my question? What is perception and what is action? in which there is no abstraction from the fact of what is seen. So I must first investigate what is perception, what is seeing, right? Is this all too difficult or may I go on? Right. What is seeing? When you say, I perceive, what is this process of perceiving? Not only <coughs> the visual perceiving with the eyes, with the ears and so on, but also the mind perceiving according to its conditioning, according to its desires, to its pleasures, to its fears. Right? So, it perceives through the image it has built about itself and about the fact. Right? It has got two images the image it has about itself and the image, the verbal image or the symbol about the fact. Now, can such perception is not perception at all. It's like looking through gla dark glasses. Now, can the mind free itself from the image about itself and about the fact, which is the opinion, the idea, the concept, the formula? I wonder if you follow this. You know, this is, demands tremendous inward attention great inward discipline, discipline in the sense, not suppression, imitation, conformity, but the very act of looking brings its own order. So we are looking at the fact of sorrow. I'm taking that as an example. Can you look 
at that sorrow, whatever the cause be, be, look at that feeling without the image you have about yourself, which is, I must not suffer, why should I suffer, I am so good, I am this, I am, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff that goes on, without a single image about yourself, and without any interpretation of the fact that there is sorrow. You follow? This requires a tremendous attention, concern. This is real seriousness. So, perception implies seeing things exactly as they are, not as I want them to be. And the seeing, then, is the acting, in which there is no time. I wonder if you see that. The moment there is time, there is conflict. I see, for example, organized religion, with all the propaganda, with all the tradition, with all the nonsense that goes on within the organized religions throughout the world, I see the fallacy of it. Not because I have a react, react against it, I see the absurdity of it. And seeing the the, what human beings have put together, which they call religion, seeing the truth of it is instant action of denying the whole thing, You're never going back to it again, in any form. I, w- I wonder if you see this point. Therefore there is instant action, which is sanity. Look, if I act according to a non-idea, according to non-fact, the fact is one thing, isn't it? And the idea about the fact is another. The idea about the fact is non-fact. And if I act according to an idea, an ideal, I am insane. Of course I am. And we accept that as sanity. I wonder if you see. And we are mesmerized by the idealists, by the propagandists. So one sees very clearly, if we have gone into it very deeply, as we are doing now, that action at any level of our life is not in the future according to an idea, but seeing without the image of oneself or a fact is action, instant action. Have I made it clear? Now you have listened to How have you listened to it? Are you listening to the fact, or are you listening according to the interpretation you give to the fact? Don't answer me, please. Look at it, find out for oneself. You see, it's one of our peculiarities that what we hear, we translate immediately into an idea. Right? And why do you do it? Why can't the mind just listen and not draw a conclusion? If you listen, 
and that very act of listening itself is an entire action. But if you say, well, I, I will listen, and if it pleases me, I'll accept it. If it doesn't conform to my idea, I will reject it. I, and so on. All those are acts of not listening. I wonder if you are following all this. <coughs> so, can the mind, which has been conditioned religiously, socially, immorally, I don't know if you realize how immorally we are conditioned. We accept war, that's an immoral acceptance. We accept violence, that's a, we accept social injustice. Our whole moral structure is based on our pleasure and fear, which is immoral. So we are conditioned immorally, we are conditioned by belief, by all the propaganda of the churches, religions all over the world. Can that mind, which is so heavily conditioned, please listen to me, can that mind instantly put it away, Put away its conditioning entirely. The final extract in this episode is from the eighth talk in Ojai, 1949, titled There is no idea without sensation. We seem to think that ideas are very important. Our minds are filled with ideas. Our mind is idea. There is no mind without idea, without thought, without verbalization. And ideas have play, play an extraordinarily important part in our lives. what we think, what we feel, the beliefs and ideas that in which we are conditioned. And ideas have an extraordinary significance with most of us. Ideas which seem coherent, intelligent, and logical, and also ideas that are romantic, stupid, without much significance. We are crowded. Our whole structure is on ideas. And these ideas come into being, obviously, through outside external influences, environmental conditioning, as well as inward demands. And we can see very well how ideas come into being. Because ideas are sensations. There is no idea without sensation. As most of us are sentient beings, our whole structure is based on, on sensations. And being limited or seeking expansion through sensation, Ideas become very important. 
ideas in God, ideas in morality, ideas in various forms of social organization and so on and so on. So ideas shape our experience. Which is an obvious fact. Which means ideas condition our action. Not that action creates ideas, but ideas create action. First we think it out and then act. And the action based on ideas. So experience is the outcome of idea. And experience is different from experiencing. In the state of experiencing, if you have noticed at all, there is no ideation at all. There is merely an experiencing, acting. Later on comes the ideation derived from that experience of like and dislike, to have that experience continued or not continued, to go back to the experience in memory, which is this demand for sensation of that experience, not experiencing anew. Surely there is a difference between experiencing and experience, and that should be made fairly clear. Experiencing is in which there is no experiencer and the experience. There is only a state of experiencing. And after experiencing, the sensations of those of that experiences, experiencing is demanded, is longed for. And out of that desire arises idea. Say, for example, you have had an experience, pleasure, and it's over, and you are longing for it, which is, you are longing for the sensation, not the state of experiencing. <coughs> And sensation creates ideas based on pleasure and pain, avoidance and acceptance, denial or continuum. Now if ideas are not basically important, Because one sees, ideas have continued. You may die, but the ideas that you have had, the bundle of ideas which you are, they have a continuance. Either partially or wholly, either fully manifested or little. But they have a form of continuance, obviously. If ideas are the result of sensation, which they are, of which our mind is is filled, of, of which the mind is, then there is a continuance of the mind as a bundle of ideas. 
But that surely is not immortality. Because ideas are merely the result of sensations of pleasure and displeasure, or not pleasure. And immortality must be something which is beyond ideas, upon which the mind cannot possibly speculate. Because it can only speculate in terms of pleasure and pain, avoidance or acceptance. As it can only think in those terms, however extensively, however deeply, it is still based on an idea. And though idea has continued, and that which continues is obviously not immortality. So, to or to experiencing, to experience immortality or the experiencing of that state, there must be no ideation. One cannot think about immortality. And If one can be free of ideation, that is, if we do not think in terms of ideas, which means live in the state of experiencing only, then one go, then there is a state in which ideation has stopped altogether. You can experiment with this yourself and not accept what I'm saying. Because there is a great deal involved in this. Which means the mind must be entirely quiet. Neither a movement backward or forward or delving in or sorry. Which means ideation must entirely cease. And that's extremely difficult. And that's why we cling to words like the soul, immortality, continuum, God. They have all neurological effects and which are sensations. And on these sensations the mind feeds. And deprive the mind of these things, it's lost. So it holds on. With greater strength to experiences which are sensations, to past experiences which have now become sensations. And is it possible for the mind to be so quiet, not partially, but in its totality, to have direct experience of that which is not thinkable, which cannot be put into words. Because for what the, for that which continues is obviously within the limits of time. And through time, the timeless is not possible. And therefore God, or what you will, cannot be thought of. If you think of it, then it's merely an idea, a sensation. Therefore it's no longer true. Therefore it's merely an idea which has a continuance, which is inherited, or condition. And such an idea is not eternal, immortal, timeless. If 
if you can, if we can really feel this. See the truth of it as we discuss it. Not say this is so, this is not so. I believe in immortality and you don't. I am agnostic and you are godly. It has all such expressions are immature, thoughtless, they have no significance. Because what we are dealing with something which is not merely an opinion of like or dislike, of prejudice. Because we are trying to find out what what is immortality? Not as religious people all belong to some particular cult and all that rubbish, but to know that thing, to be aware of it. Because in that is creation. And when once there is an experiencing of that, then the whole problem of life undergoes a, a significant change. There is a revolutionary change. And without that, all the squabbles and petty opinions have no, have really no significance at all. So if one is aware of this total process, of how ideas come into being, how action springs from ideas, and how ideas control action, therefore limit action, depending on sensation. Ideas, it doesn't matter who they are, from the left or from the extreme right. As long as we cling to ideas, then we are merely in a state in a state in which there can be no experiencing at all, then we are only living in the field of time as the past which gives further sensation, or the future which, which is another form of sensation. It is only when the mind is free from idea there can be experiencing. 